Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. My heart is stirred this week. Uh, as many of you, your heart is stirred, your heart is broken, your heart is concerned. Uh, But I'm telling you this morning that the church in America, that's finest hour is right ahead of us. And, uh, but we've got to be aware of what we're called to. We've got to realize the calling on the church of Jesus Christ. And the Lord's been speaking to me this week that this is going to be the hour of the local church. This is going to be the hour where God's going to use the local church. Uh, You know, there are a lot of churches that have international reach through, uh, you know, even our own, you know, through internet and through all those things. That's, That's awesome. That's good. But I'm telling you, there's something about the local family of believers that God is going to leverage to legislate in a region. And uh, the Lord is looking for churches that will step in the gap and cry out for their city. And so I want us to pray right now. My heart is so full. Uh, I woke up at five and down to five-hour energy drink, so I'm just about on the downside of that. Uh, but, uh, and just for several hours, just was, the Lord was speaking, and I was just taking notes. And uh, so... I want us to get what he wants to say to us this morning. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your leadership. You are our king. You are our father. You are the Lord of hosts. Now, Lord, I ask that you would speak to us very clearly. And Lord, just as we just prayed over Jennifer, let... Lord, it would not be mere teaching, but it would instigate things, Lord. It would be an ignition point. Lord, I ask that your word would come with power, with grace to fulfill it. In Jesus' name, amen. Been uh, just chewing on a number of different verses this week in regards to all that has gone on this past week. Uh, you know, several, several, oh, I don't know, maybe a month ago now, uh, we started a series on prayer. And uh, th- we're going to continue in that vein, but not in the manner in which I anticipated. Uh, I, I was going to go methodically through some different components of theology to really give us a framework on how prayer works. And God willing, we'll get there eventually, but we've got to kind of pause and kind of settle down into one facet of prayer. Now, when we were beginning our study on prayer, we were going to talk about four components or four major issues when it comes to prayer. Because in order for us to understand prayer, in order for us to engage in prayer, we've got to understand how it works. And the reason a lot of people don't pray is they frankly don't understand what what difference it would make. Because they've bought into some theology and their theology undermines their motivation. And they try to make a commitment to pray for a short period of time, but they can't sustain the motivation because their theology itself tells them it really doesn't matter if you pray. It's the theology that is summed up in God is in control. 
that God's will is always done, that everything that happens is God's will. And if everything that's happening is God's will and God's will is always done, what difference does it make if I engage in prayer? Well, it, under that theology, the only different, difference it makes is I change and I become more intimate with God, but God's will is going to be done. But that is not the biblical cosmology. That is not how the kingdom works. We talked about how there's this principle uh, that, uh, well, Jesus used this terminology in Matthew 13. He, talk, he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you, he said to his disciples. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom. It's really a New Testament form of David's prayer in Psalm 25 saying, God, show me your ways. Now, I want, to, I want you to understand this. That the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom. Let's break that down. He's saying, I want you to have knowledge, understanding. I want you to grasp. I want you to understand the principles of the secrets. There are, there are mysteries. There are secret ways to the kingdom. But the kingdom literally means God's reign. In other words, I want you to understand how I exert my influence over my universe. That's a biblical cosmology. That's what we're talking about. God wants us to understand how he exerts his rule over the, over the universe. And the fact is that God does that through you and I. Prayer is the mechanism by which God rules and reigns. God has delegated the earth to man. Psalm 8, it's reiterated in Hebrews 2. God has given the earth to man. He put it under our feet, put everything under our feet. And God, therefore, in so doing, God is going to honor the system he set up. And he has, he, then he calls us to invite his intervention. So prayer is nothing more, nothing less than people who have authority, who have been delegated authority over the earth, inviting God's intervention into the earth. So God's will is not always done. If you think about it, it does, we don't even really need to give you any scriptures to back that up other than to say, if sin is contrary to God's will, then God's will isn't always done. The fact is, God says, I am not willing that any should perish, yet we know people do. If it's not God's will that people perish and people perish, then God doesn't always get his will because he is so secure in being who he is that he delegates and empowers his people and he leaves it to us. The fact is, history is being shaped through a partnership of heaven and earth. You have tremendous authority whether you realize it or not. The danger is that you don't realize it and therefore you don't exercise it and God's will is not done in, under the auspices of your rule. God has delegated authority to you and he expects you to use it in prayer and you will give an answer to him at the end of the age for how you utilize the authority that he delegated to you. God wants to unleash his rule through your life. The church of Jesus Christ is the mechanism, the vehicle through which God rules on the earth. It's his, it's his governing body. We've talked a lot about the kingdom, and the kingdom literally means the king's dominion. It's not a realm, it's his rule. It's his authority being exerted on the earth. That's what the kingdom of heaven is. And the church is an arm of the kingdom. The church and the kingdom are not synonymous. I was taught they were in Bible school. That is absolutely not the case. The kingdom of God is the rule of God, and the church is the, the, organism, the organization through which God exerts that rule. The word that we translate church in the New Testament is ecclesia. Now, King James, when he had the King James Version translated, there were a few words that he insisted upon getting his hands on. 
Uh, he, he, church was one of them because the word ecclesia, because of its implications, what it meant, King James didn't want it literally translated because it was dangerous to his form of rule. So he had it watered down and it, the old English word kirk, which we translate church, which just means a meeting place. You know, it's, it's a place where we meet. That's not the New Testament word. Let me read you a, a biblical definition. This is, out of, uh, this is out of the Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament based on semantic domains. That's literally the title of it. It's a big book just because the title has to fit on the cover. Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament based on semantic domains. Uh, what is known for short as the Laonida because it's uh, Eugene Nida and Johannes Lau, uh, their Greek study, okay? So this is the Greek word ekklesia. A group of citizens assembled for social political activities, comma, an assembly, a gathering. But it's not just a gathering for gathering's sake. It's a group of people that are gathered for a specific purpose. It can never be less than two because it's a corporate gathering and they're gathering for a given purpose. It's reminiscent of when Jesus said, Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. I love Bob Mumford, the, the, the well-known teacher that was really at the height of his notoriety back in the 70s. He had a book uh, on the body of Christ, and he called the church Christ in Session. I love that. When we show up together, King Jesus shows up. And there's an added dimension to our gathering, whether we realize it or not. That God will commit something to the two that he won't commit to the one. That when, the, when Christ is in session, when the body of Christ shows up, he shows up and it's time to do some kingdom business. Within Grecian culture, Roman Grecian culture, the ecclesia was not merely a gathering. It was a gathering for legislative purposes. Matter of fact, in Roman culture, there was an ecclesia, an official, uh, an official group invested with authority that would often be, uh, be gathered to hear the heart of the emperor. Then they would strategize, how do we fulfill the desires of the emperor in the expanded kingdom? How do we, how do we see that God, the king's heart be manifest in his his kingdom. That was the idea behind the church. So you and I need to realize when we get together, there's something that is being registered in the spiritual realm. We're not merely here to be encouraged and to high five each other and sing some great songs and be encouraged psychologically, you know, emotionally so that we can go back out and face another week. That, that is part of it. But there's, there's more to it than that. We are gathered to do kingdom business on the earth. That we're here to sense his heart and to release his heart into the world, both through our actions when we leave and through our words while we're here. We make declarations that we carry authority and the church is the vehicle through which God begins to govern his, his world. So I'm just, this, this morning I was just chewing on these verses. Uh, let me just throw out a few verses throughout Scripture. Let me see if I can tie them together. Uh, Genesis 1.1, the very first Scripture in all of Revelation. And in the beginning he made the heavens and the earth. 
So we have right from the inception of God's dream uh, that he's, he's, he's going to realize this dream. What does he do? He creates two realms, the heavens and the earth. They're created at the same time because their destinies are connected. Then we have in Colossians, it says, he is reconciling all things to himself through the blood of his son, whether things in heaven or things on earth. Something has happened between the original statement, he created the heavens and the earth, and now there's a need to reconcile the heavens and the earth. What's happened? Then we have this other interesting little verse. In in, uh, Genesis, I want to say it was chapter 28, uh, where Bethel, remember Jacob has his dream, and he, he, in his dream, he sleeps at this place, it's Luz, uh, that just sounds like a place to take a nap, doesn't it? Going to Luz. And he takes a nap, and his head lays on a rock, and while he's asleep, he goes into this vision, this dream, and, and he's uh, in the dream, there's a ladder resting on the earth, reaching into heaven. I love that, resting and reaching. It's reaching into the heavens, and he sees the angels ascending and descending, and God is at the top of the ladder speaking to Jacob his destiny. And Jacob awakes, and he says, whoa, God is here and I didn't know it. Surely this is, and he gives it two names. This is the house of God, the gate of heaven. And I would propose to you those two titles are applied to those two realms and their interplay. It was the house of God on earth, but it was also a gate into that other realm known as the heavens, plural. Then we have Jesus' prayer. The disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And he said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we have this, this theme throughout scripture, these two, these two realms. The, and originally in creation, they're united in their purpose. It was never God's intention for what's going on in heaven not to go on in earth. God intended to have what's going on in heaven happening on earth. Now, a couple weeks ago, I taught on something, and some of you probably thought, Pastor, you are weird. I've never heard anybody talk about that. And, okay, I see it in the Word, but I still think it's weird, and I think it's weird that you spent a Sunday morning talking about it. Why did you spend time talking about the divine counsel in heaven and that God has a a divine counsel that he interacts with and he delegates authority? What does that have to do with us? Because what is going on in heaven is a pattern, a blueprint for what's going on on earth. There is a divine counsel to which God delegated the earth. And we know according to the New Testament and the Old, but it's more clear in the New Testament that some of those delegates rebelled. So what is God's answer? He also has a divine counsel on the earth. And you know what it's called? The ecclesia. That just as we see in Daniel, when God's going to make some decisions, he gathers the divine counsel and he begins to interact with these, these beings called the Elohim, the, the sons of God, some, trans, some passages refer to them as, uh, the, he's, he's going to interact with them and he, he even asks their, their opinion. God doesn't have to do it. God's pretty smart. He's got this thing figured out on his own. He could do it all himself, but God is a real father and he wants to incorporate his sons into the family business. 
He wants to empower them and see them live up to their full potential. So he asks their counsel. And the fact is, on earth, God is wanting to engage you and bring you into relationship. This is not some automaton relationship where we just hear commands and we walk them out. There's a relationship and God wants your fingerprints on his creation. And he wants to create things with you. And we are the ecclesia. And just by he, just as we see in Daniel where uh, Dan, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has his dream. Remember this watcher? That's another term for those beings that are part of the divine council. It says, by decree of the watchers, Nebuchadnezzar heard in his dream, by decree of the watchers, you're going to be, he didn't say this, but this is essentially what he said. He said, you're going to be sent out to pasture for seven years, literally. Remember that? But the word is by the decree of the watchers. Because they had been delegated authority. There was an agreement in the divine council. And it wasn't just something that God decided by decree of the watchers. And he was sent out to pastor for seven years. There is a, a correlation on earth. God wants to govern by the decree of his ecclesia. God wants to leverage your words in prayer. What you say really does matter. God wants to use us to govern in the earth. And the Lord's been speaking to me all week about the necessity that we're coming into a time, a season, where the local church is going to be even more crucial. Because there are local churches that he is raising up to govern in the region. And, and this is what the Lord ministered to my heart this week. And you can weigh it before the Lord. But we're coming into the season a season in history where it's going to be crucial that regions have churches that are walking in lockstep with him and that understand that there's more to church than just gathering and learning things, that we're to rule and reign with him because God wants to release blessing over a region. We have this interesting verse in Jeremiah 29. There's a couple verses that are really well known. I know the plans that I have for you. That one. Uh, you will seek me and you will find me. When you seek for me with your heart, that's in Jeremiah 29. And then there's this other one. It says, pray or seek the prosperity of your city, for in seeking it is your, for in their prosperity is your prosperity. Catch that. He said, seek the prosperity of the place you live, because in their blessing is your blessing, and their prosperity is your blessing, your prosperity, because if they're, you live there. In other words, don't call down the, the wrath of God on your city when you live there. Okay? Let's pray for the blessing of our city. No, let's pray that we can be blessable. That God will deal with the things that are an offense to him so that he can bless us. But we are the intercessors that stand between heaven and earth. We are the Bethel. We are the connecting place. And when God finds the people that will entertain his presence on earth, it becomes the house of God. Something happens in the heavens and it becomes a gateway for what's going on in heaven to be manifest on earth. And that's what God is looking for. A people that will pray his purposes. And God is going to bless cities based upon the people of his people that live in those cities. 
And we're, in the coming days, there are going to be cities that have a canopy of peace and prosperity over them precisely because there is a church that is marching towards God and are crying out to God and are the intercessors for their cities. And it's not because those cities are perfect, but it's because there's a people crying mercy. And they're crying out for their cities. And I'm telling you, and I say it with broken hearts, there's going to be other cities that are going to come under great calamity and chaos because there's nobody to stand in the gap. I had an encounter with the Lord. I've told you about many times. Those of you who have been around here for some time. And it really set me on the, 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 the journey of this whole thing of heaven and earth. And it was a, a strange thing. I was crying out to God. I was so frustrated. This was back in 2000, I think, in 10 or 2012. And uh, I just yelled out to the Lord one night in prayer. Just screamed, I can't shadow box anymore. Only I said it louder. It would have been obnoxious that I'd have done it really like I did. And all of a sudden, I went into a vision, and I saw this beautiful rolling landscape, green hills, and this azure sky, this blue. It was gorgeous, but the whole sky was filled from from the, the, the ground as far as the eye could see with these spheres that were interconnected. They looked like giant bubbles. And the Lord spoke one thing to me. He said, every realm has a gate. And boom, it was gone. Well, I, I, no, it wasn't God, because I saw in that, just that split second, it wasn't a long vision. It wasn't like I, I, you know, like I was somewhere else. I just saw it very quickly, but I saw that each one of these spheres had a deposit of certain types of blessings. And I saw prophetic realms, because that's what he referred to him. He said, every realm has a gate. And I saw some of them that were prophetic realms. In other words, if you were inside of them, man, you could flow in the prophetic. I saw wisdom realms that you could stand in there, you'd flow in wisdom. I saw financial wisdom realms that were distinct from wisdom realms. I saw inventive realms. I saw them literally hanging over Iowa, realms of inventive wisdom that people could create things that the earth needs, that God has answers to the problems we're presently facing. And he's just waiting for someone to contend and get into those realms. And it, I also saw how you could stand in a prophetic realm, but because they were all interconnected, you could reach into a healing realm and operate in healing, but you weren't really operating in healing. You were operating in the prophetic and touching healing. To me, that was interesting. And boom, it was done. And I said, Jesus, I got no scripture for that. The next morning, I got up and punched into my concordance realms, and to my shock, five verses immediately popped up. The first one rocked me. Ephesians 1, 3, God hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly realms in Christ. And I went, wow. I, thought, I had memorized that verse decades ago and never understood it until that moment. So the Lord took me on a journey, and one of the things he began to show me is those five verses are very significant. All of them are in the book of Ephesians. And just like in, in uh, the book of Joshua, chapter 1, God says, everywhere you put your foot, it's yours. Everywhere you place your foot, it's yours. I'm giving you the promised land. And then the rest of the book is one bloody battle after another of them having to fight for the very thing that God said is already theirs. And Ephesians is the New Testament version of Joshua. That in chapter one, he says, I hath given, God hath given us every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. 
But we get to chapter six, the great spiritual warfare passage. And he said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not people that are our enemies. We don't have enemies as people of God. Our enemy is the enemy. And people just come under the sway of that. And we've got to be careful we don't. He said, we wrestle against, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in heavenly realms. So the very realm that is given to us in chapter 1 is occupied by an enemy in chapter 6. And so just like in Joshua, it's given to us legally, but we have to fight to walk in it actually. So the same is true of spiritual warfare. There are blessings that hang over our region that are ours for the taking. And I'm telling you, the Bible reveals what you don't see with your physical eyes, but you must see with your spiritual eyes, at least in scripture, if not literally to see, like I, I saw it for a split second, that there are blessings hanging over our region. They are realms of blessings, but we must contend with them and for them, and we must displace the enemy because he who occupies the realm dispenses the blessing for their agenda. And it was during that time the Lord spoke to me about a global oligarch that I didn't really, I, I heard his name before, but I didn't know who he was. I'm not going to say his name this morning. Many of you know who I'm talking about. But the Lord told me he is accessing financial wisdom through the occult. And I knew he's a financial guy. That's all I knew about him. And I thought, I thought it was just kind of a symbolic thing. I didn't take it seriously. I thought, oh, he's a metaphor. Now, years later, we find out this guy is using his billions to finance all kinds of sinister stuff to collapse our nation and other nations. And the Lord told me way back then, he said, through intercession, you can block his access to that wisdom and you can gain access to that same wisdom through intercession. And we have not entered into the fullness of that. God wants to grant us that. That is the purpose of the ecclesia, God's legislative body. He is looking for a people who will dispense the resources of heaven on the earth. But we've got to be careful that we don't just camp out in chapter 1 and, Woo! We got all spiritual blessings in heavenly realms. Spiritually, we got all spiritual blessings. I have it by faith. Yeah, but do you, are you manifesting that on the earth? And if you're not, then get back to square one and let's start contending for the very thing he said is ours. There is a taking it by faith, but there is, a, there is a very real wrestling that he speaks of in Ephesians chapter 6. We are wrestling with principalities and powers in heavenly realms so that we can seize the blessings that are ours. And God wants to release that to us. God wants his purposes to be fulfilled on planet earth. Now, this, if you could track with me here, that I was struck this morning as I was just laying before the Lord with a five on energy drink surging through my veins, <laughs> lighting up my brain. I... The Lord began to talk to me about how in the New Testament, churches were known by their geographic location. Well, yeah, I mean, of course they were. That's how you say, well, yeah, the church of Ephesus or the church of Philippi. But I'd never seen it like this before. And this, it, it's, 
You see, the, the principalities and powers reside, according to Ephesians 6, in heavenly realms. Everybody agree with that? You see that in Scripture? They are in heavenly realms. Yet their name is connected to the region over which they hold sway. We see in Daniel chapter 9, there was the prince of Persia. He said, I was fighting the prince of Persia, and that, after that, I got to fight the prince of Greece. What is he talking about? He's not talking about some little puny human being, you know, he's going to duke it out with. He's talking about these demonic entities that hold sway over these kingdoms. They are in the heavenly realms, but they're connected to the earthly realms beneath them, and they, they're, they're connected. That's why he's known by the geographic location. There are specific blessings that reside over specific locations in the earth. There's something that Ankeny carries. There's something that the Des Moines metro area carries. There's something that Iowa carries that other places don't. And you can see that begin to manifest at time. Also, almost like the spiritual realm bleeds through and then it retracts. You look at Look at Los Angeles, the name of that. It was probably, I've never looked it up, but it was probably named such by some Jesuit priest that went out there way back in, you know, the early days of the conquering, uh, you know, the, when, when this, this whole place, the, the United States was uh, discovered by Europe and they came in and they named it Los Angeles or the City of Angels. Now think about what Los Angeles is known for. It's a communications capital. Movies, music, the media, it is a message center. And they are living up to their name, but with a negative connotation to it. There's something, and, and you can't explain it geographically. You can't look at, at California and say, oh yeah, well that's obvious because of the lay of the land. That's why it happened. No, we, you can't explain it that way. There's nothing about the geography that would say that that's where we're going to make movies other than it's nice. But there's something about the destiny that was in the land of Los Angeles that that was their calling that has been hijacked by the enemy. And there is destiny in Iowa that you and I are the stewards of. We are the guardians. And just as there is a prince of Persia, there is a church of Ankeny. Scripture says we're seated in heavenly realms. That's the second verse where that word shows up. The first one is we've been given all spiritual blessings in heavenly realms. The second one is Jesus is seated in heavenly realms and, and then we're seated with him in heavenly realms. The last one is there's principalities and powers in those heavenly realms. This seated position, let me just give you my take on that, okay? Because I hear people talk about, you know, well, we're seated in heavenly realms. Here's what I really believe that means, that is our legal position. In other words, we have the legal right to be seated there. Just like king, the concept of kingdom is the right to rule. We've been delegated a, an authority to be enthroned, in the, to sit in heavenly places. That doesn't necessarily mean that we are taking advantage of that. It's like in kings of old would come, uh, you know, or Robin Hood. 
That's a good guy flick, you know, good guy story. Robin Hood was captive in one of the, he, he went on one of the crusades and he came back and he, one of the first questions he asked was, who is seated on the throne? He wanted to know, was King John on the throne or was there someone else on the throne? Because that, that made a difference. He didn't mean whose royal derriere is on the royal pillow. He meant who is in charge, who is on the throne. That's what that means. We're seated in heavenly places. That we have a legal right to operate in that area. I think, Pastor, what are you talking about? All this mystical stuff. What I'm saying is, is that God has invested us with tremendous authority. I will build my ecclesia, Jesus said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, because you are heaven's representative on earth. And God wants to use the people of God and their prayers to legislate the kingdom of God. He wants, we are the ecclesia, the socio-political body of people that are going to to release his edicts on the earth. Our intercession is crucial. And without it, God's will will not be done. I'm here to provoke you to prayer this morning. We are at a crucial time in our nation's history. And what's going on right now is not what's really going on right now. There are things going on behind the scenes. There are demonic forces trying to divide and destroy the nation. And, and understand, I am, not, I, I am not alluding to people marching in a peaceful protest as a tool of the enemy. That is one of the legacies of our nation, that we go out and we peacefully make. That is one of the great things about our nation. We can make our desires known, and that's, that's that we have one voice together. We go out and we peacefully protest. But I am talking about the hijacking and the leveraging of people's pain to create wanton destruction and to divide a nation. And that is demonic. It's from the pit of hell. And it means that we need a church that will rise up and release peace yes. and pray for the healing of hearts. Yes. God needs a people who will stand in the gap right now. I don't know how many of you saw, how many of you know who Jeremiah Johnson is? Raise your hand. Jeremiah Johnson is a young prophet. He's really gained notoriety uh, in, in recent days. And uh, if you're new to Heartland, hey, we believe in the, you know, all the scriptures true today. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Jesus said they were given to the body of Christ until we reach the full maturity and the fullness of Christ. And then we ain't happened yet. And so they're still here. And uh, Jeremiah Johnson is a young prophet. He, ha he talked about how he had an encounter uh, uh, the last day of May, where in the middle of the night he was pacing, praying over our nation. And he said this demonic entity appeared right in front of him and began to tell him what he was doing. And uh, as if the Lord just grabbed him by the nap of the neck and said, you're going to release, this, you're going to tell him, you're going to let him in on what's going on. And... Uh, what he said was that this, this demon would morph in different forms. It just kept morphing. And uh, it was, and it was, he said it was, it first came in fear, 
then hate, but the real issue was greed. Follow the money. There was fear from coronavirus, hatred being released because of racism and opening up old wounds and all of that and pitting people against people. Like I said last week, I'm telling you, we've got to be so careful. Don't let sin against you produce sin in you. Because there is pain on, on all fronts and people are just slinging stuff. And I'm telling you, we are from a higher kingdom. We operate above the clouds. Yes. We're here to representatives of the kingdom of God. But the real issue is this greed thing. And, and uh, he, ta- he, said, he said the Lord told him that there's, there's more things coming. There's more. Uh, he said, believers, get your seatbelt buckled. He said, if you're wanting out of the chaos of what, of what is 2020, he said, it ain't going to happen yet. There's more on the horizon. And he talked about uh, uh, weather things happening, calamities in nature. And he said, we've got to get ready. But what we need to do is we need to pray. Then last night, Jeff Collins, many of you remember Jeff. I love Jeff Collins. He's a, just a wonderful man of God. And he sent me a video from a man out of Australia, an intercessor and a leader out of Australia. And this man was, was sharing what he had saw in prayer. Their, their church, their movement was crying out for the United States because the world is looking at what's happening. And the world has a vested interest in the United States getting through this. I'll never forget being in Toronto, Canada in 2008 when the stock market began to crash. And John Arnott, a Canadian pastor, got up and he said, we need to pray for the United States. And then he said this. He said, because frankly, I wouldn't want to live in a world in which the United States didn't exist. That was fascinating to me as a a citizen of the U.S., That from the outside, he's looking in and he said, I wouldn't want to live in a world because we've been a peacekeeping nation. We've been a, a we've given out billions and trillions of dollars in human aid. We're not a perfect nation, but God has used the United States and they have a vested interest. And so they were crying out and he said he saw, all of a sudden he went into this vision and he saw these two beasts just coming at each other. And one was fear and one was hatred. One was fear and one was hatred. And they just kept clashing. And he said all of a sudden between them merged this little white bright figure putting its hands up, keeping them from clashing together. And he said it was the bride of Christ. It was the church who was standing in between. And he said, the Lord told him that if the church doesn't take its place, the United States essentially isn't going to make it. And he said, then the vision changed and he saw these, these hungry, ravenous dogs ready in Europe, ready to pounce and ready to attack in the United States. And he saw that what the enemy's strategy is, he said that he wants to pull the United States into war and it has to win the battle at home. That the enemy is trying to create division and it's going to demand a praying church. I'm telling you, the future of our nation is in the balances and it's up to you and I to tip the scales. God is looking to us. It's not a matter of us just saying, oh, God's will will be done. No, it won't. Because God is looking to you to pray his will into existence. God, he said, I'm looking for an intercessor, someone to stand in the gap. And so we need to rally an intercession. We need to begin to cry out to God. We need to pray for our nation that God's principles, his kingdom would come and his will would be done 
in the earth as it is in heaven and in our nation and in our region as it is in heaven and especially in the, the metro area because it's been delegated to you and I as the body of Christ. And we need to pray peace and healing and blessing. Let's pray for the... You know when God told Jeremiah to release that word, pray for the prosperity of your city? Do you realize that they were captives of prisoners of war and that's how they arrived there? Wherever God has you, the way you arrived does not determine the impact of your arrival. Joseph arrived in Egypt in chains, sold as a slave. Daniel arrived in Babylon, a prisoner of war, castrated and put in a, a re-education program. Paul was put in a Roman prison and began to lead the, the prison guards to the Lord. God will lead us places in many ways, but once we arrive, our assignment is clear. Let's pray for the peace and prosperity of this place because that's what's going on in heaven and we want that to be released here. And this is our responsibility. We, God chooses, it's very clear in scripture, God chooses the times and the places in which a man should live. You are here by divine assignment and you have a responsibility to begin to pray for the release of the kingdom of God and the prosperity of this place because your future depends on the future of this region. So God has put us to be salt and light here and to declare blessing. And God, Lord, we want your purposes and we need to engage with him. There is a, a season of travail we need to move into so that God's purposes will be manifest. What I want to do, I'm going to begin to open the church Tuesday through Friday at 7 a.m. We're going to meet in the sanctuary. Most days we'll meet right here. Uh, some days we may be meeting in the upper sanctuary, but 7 to 8, 8.30 at that time. And I want to encourage you, try to make it out at least once a week. And let's begin to stoke the furnace. I keep seeing this picture as I've been praying all week of God, God beginning to, to, to uh, stir up the forge again. God is, God is st uh, stoking the forge because he's going to forge some weapons. And he's going to release some kingdom whoop'em on the enemy. But he needs some saints that will cooperate with him. So we need to stir the furnace of intercession. So we're going to be here at 7 a.m to 8, 8.30, around in that time, just depending on what the Lord is doing. But we're going to begin to take a place on the wall Monday, or Tuesday through Friday. Saturday night, we're going to keep it online for those that can jump online. And we're just going to begin to storm heaven. Uh, Sunday, we're going to do it in worship. But we're, we need to begin to operate as the ecclesia. God has given you authority. I want you to stand. I want you to put your hands up before the Lord. Father, I'm asking right now, God, that you would open the eyes of the understanding. Lord, I ask, God, that there would be light that would come between their eardrums, Lord, that they would begin to understand the authority that you've given them. Lord, that they are the ecclesia of God, that we have been given fearsome authority to shape history, that we are not victims waiting for history to happen. We are instigators who create history through our prayer. We are to shape history. We're to release history. 
Lord, I thank you that you've put a prophetic pen in our hand to write the future in advance. That we hear what you're saying and we declare it. We press the crown rights of King Jesus over this region. Hallelujah. And Father, I'm asking that you would help us to crank up the forge called the Tabernacle of David once again. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.